Hello, I'm Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 149 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode From Software and Death Part 1. But I want to remind you guys that this podcast was in my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m., so please go there, leave a comment, a question, suggestion, stuff like that below the episode, or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, drop me an email, suggestion, uh, you know, review, things like that there, or you can subscribe to the podcast on either Apple iTunes, the Google Play Store, or I'm on Spotify now. Um, so yeah, go there, do the things, uh, you know, rate me, give me suggestions, what I can do to improve, stuff like that. Or you can find me on Twitter at Just Little Joe. So go to those places and interact with me. That way I will try to get better about promoting the show. I always say that and I've gotten slightly better. So if I keep reminding myself, I will get better. So if you notice from today's title of the episode, I'm going to be talking about From Software, which is a Japanese company founded a very long time ago. I actually didn't write that down because I'm being very selective in my purview of what I'm going to look at. So there's a lot of games that they've come out with, but some of them lately that they've come out with um, since 2009 and on, like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, Sekiro, these all use death as a part of lore and a mechanic in the game. And with Elden Ring coming out, I wanted to look back and talk about each one of these games, the From Software games, or they call them Soulsborne games, because of the titles of them. Sekiro kind of falls outside that, but it still has many of the same DNA qualities um, of the game. So what I'm going to do is give you a very brief, brief logistical breakdown of the first three games in the Soulsborne series. It'll be um, Demon Souls, uh, which came out uh, in 2009, February 5th in Japan, October 6th in the States. And uh, in the PAL territories, uh, Europe, it came out on June 25th. King Aland Twelfth, by channeling the power of souls, brought unprecedented prosperity to his northern kingdom of Boletaria. That is, until the colorless deep fog swept across the land. Boletaria was cut off from the outside world, and those who dared penetrate the deep fog never returned. But Valarfax of the royal twin fangs broke free from the fog and told the world of Boletaria's plight. That the old king Alant had aroused the old one, the great beast below the nexus, from its eternal slumber, and that a colorless fog had swept in, unleashing terrible demons. The demons hunt down men and claim their souls. Those who lose their souls also lose their minds. The mad attack the sane, and chaos reigns. Valarfax spoke of the enticing power of the demon souls. Each time a demon claims a human soul, the demon's own soul is invigorated by the life force, and the power of a mature demon's soul is beyond human imagination. The legend spread quickly. Mighty warriors were drawn to the accursed land. 
none have returned. Bjorn of the Twin Fangs. Yurt the Silent Chief. Sage Urbane. Skurver the Wanderer. The Sixth Saint Astraea and her knight Garl Vinland. And Sage Frake the Visionary. The colorless deep fog slowly creeps beyond Boletaria's borders. Humankind faces a slow and steady extinction. The deep fog will eventually swallow all lands near and far. But Boletaria has one final hope. A lone warrior who has braved the baneful fog. Has the land found its savior? Or have the demons found a new slave? That was the intro of um, Demon Souls. It came out in 2009. Please go to HD Gaming Guides on YouTube. That's where I got that audio. It's probably the best sounding audio I could find of that. HD Gaming Guides, the HD and the G in Guides is capitalized. So go there. They have a lot of really cool videos about the Soul series and intro videos too. So if you just maybe want to watch the intro of a game, go there. So thank you very much, HD Gaming Guides. Uh, you had the cleanest source of audio that I could find to do the intro. So very quickly, my history with um, Demon Souls. Um, I just looked at this. So... I got the World Uniters Trophy, which is like the good ending. My memory serves, it took me about 73 hours, somewhere around there, to actually complete the game. There's two endings in Demon's Souls that I can see. There might be more. There was a remake that came out on November 12th, 2020, uh, because that is when, I, I want to say the PlayStation 5 was launched. Anyway, it was a launch title for the PS5. Bluepoint, who's done a lot of remakes, has relaunched. Um, or, you know, from the ground up, rebuilt Demon Souls. Uh, and as you heard in the intro, it's a very medieval fantasy. Um, again, I recommend to go back to HD Gaming Guides and watch the whole video. But I got one of the endings way back in uh, June 26th of 2012. So that was a long time ago. I got a gold trophy for doing one of the endings. I didn't get the Platinums. This was like my first thing of like people hearing about Demon Souls. You know, people were talking about it online. And they were really selling it up. And I was kind of really blown away with, like, not that it was difficult. I mean, it was. But I think one of the things that blew me away, as you can hear from the intro, this project apparently was very abstract. And it was failing within From Software, from what I can read. And the producer, Miyazaki, basically said, well, this is already a failure. He got put in charge and he said, if these ideas fail, then no one cares. But this uh, style is something that will follow in from the other from to the other from software games. So uh, it'll go into Dark Souls, which they considered a spiritual successor, and into Dark Souls Two. So that's what I'll be covering in part one. But this idea, as you heard in the intro, that men are stealing souls of other peoples to basically just stay alive, to fend off the inevitable, which is death. This also goes into the mechanics of the game where when you die, this is kind of old news, but I'm just going over it again. 
when you die, the currency you collect in the games, it changes from game to game. Sometimes it's souls. Sometimes it's blood echoes. Sometimes it's, um, I have to look it up for Sekiro, but it is a some form of wispy currency that goes into your body, um, you know, when you kill something. Now, I spent about two or three hours with the PS5 remake. It is so beautiful. Bluepoint did an amazing job. If you can get your hands on a PS5 or you care, please support Bluepoint. I'm not saying they're hurting, but that game is amazing. And they did an amazing ground up job of making some good quality of life changes. There were some things in the very first game that came out in 2009 in Demon's Souls, which was so abstract and obtuse, um, people had to do YouTube videos to break it down. Also, concerning breaking things down, there's a lot of lore videos online. Now, I've tried to stay away from some of these, but I have looked them. I mean, it was so long ago, I've read into them and things like that. Basically, what you find out is by, I guess, putting the old one to sleep, like I did in the end of the game, and it kind of like keeps things the way it is, but you can become a great old one by killing the old one and basically taking its place, which is a theme that will continue on as well as death in the other games, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about in part two when we over like Bloodborne and Sekiro. But even though this is more abstract and these ideas, I believe, get refined more and more as the Soul series goes on, I think that this is an amazing starting point to maybe just focus on the mechanic of death, maybe not the overarching theme of death. Um, this becomes more prevalent in Dark Souls, which we'll talk about next. But this is where kind of the From Software juice comes from, in my opinion. They've done stuff like this before. But the idea of when you die, you lose your currency souls in this um, instance. You lose those, and you have to you start basically back at the beginning of the level. Demon Souls has an interesting mechanic where there's a hub world. You're in something called the Nexus. So you, as you complete different sections of each world, literally world 1, 1, 1, 2, like Mario... Uh, it opens up other archstones so you can go to other parts of Boletaria, as you heard in the intro. The land is called Boletaria. So after you beat a boss, I believe it's a Phalanx Lord, that opens a new part of the castle up. So you can go to the different part of Boletaria. Boletaria or the uh, Boletaria Palace is basically like just a palace. I remember back in the day, King Alant being just horrendous. Um, he's probably the enemy I had the most time. I, like I mentioning his name, my eye starts to twitch. But... Basically, from killing enemies and bosses, you get souls. You use that to level up. And again, if you die, uh, you basically have a spot of energy that's on the ground. If you make it back to that place without dying, you can retrieve everything you've lost. If you die before that, uh, you lose what you had before. So say I got halfway through the level and I had 2,000 souls. I start back at the beginning of the level. I'm trying to get back to the 2,000 souls. The whole time collecting new souls, so you get added to the total, but let's say I'm only at 500 souls and I die, I've now lost the 2,000 souls, and I'm going back for the 500 souls. So there's this interesting risk-reward risk and how you level up. This is another part of the mechanic of the game that kind of followed other From Software games. If you level up a stat from like 11 to 12 and it takes 500 runes, the next level up, you're considered like level 15, but each one of your stats like strength, speed, whatever has a different number tied to it. If you go from like 11 to 12 in strength, then your level increases from like 17 to 18, and that increases the price of paying for other stats. So even if one of your stats is like at a five and you wanna get it to six, 
you have to pay the most amount that you'll ever pay for any of those skills. Meaning, uh, I'll try to break this down without being too crazy. So if you paid a thousand souls, that is the least you will pay to bring anything up to a level, no matter what it is at. You don't pay what it was at eight or nine. You pay the, the biggest skill you have. So if one of your skills is 20 and it takes 20,000 souls, if you want to get something from nine to 10, you will pay 20,000 souls to get from nine to 10 in that stat. I hope that makes sense. Basically, the most you will ever, like if it says this requires 20,000 souls, you will not ever pay less than that. There's a screen when you go to level up and it says, listen, to get this from 12 to 13, it'll take X amount of souls. That is what you're going to pay to level up anything. No matter if the stat is lower uh, than that, that is what you're paying. To me, this is an interesting way to mix death and really make it mean something. Not only that, but like when you're fighting some of these bosses, and everybody keeps saying from software games are hard, I believe they are difficult. But you do like any other game, if you have, if you play any game on a regular basis, or um, just in general, enjoy playing something like a games of a service, an MMO, something like that, you learn the ins and outs and the intricacies of that game. And I think with From Software games, they're sometimes maligned as being too difficult. And I think in the community, there's this kind of pushback to say they are a type of difficult, but they're not insurmountable. Now I'll say this. I've used guides when playing this From Software game, so I know where certain items are or maybe go left when I should go right. Maybe I get stuck because sometimes they are obtuse, like you heard the intro from Demon Souls. You don't always know where to go. But just because I looked up a guide, I completed Demon Souls on my own. It took me 73 hours, which is probably way longer than it took most people because I'm a mediocre gamer at best. I can't speed run things. Um, but I will say this. I still beat the bosses, got the trophies for beating the bosses, and got that into the game myself. I physically did it. And again, King Alant, who's like this mid-level boss in the game, um, who really is like a symbol of the city. If you listen to the intro, which hopefully you did, you didn't skip over, he talks about... He basically figured out like these soul arts to keep people going forever. And he's literally on the top of this tower looking over the land of Bulletaria. You fight him and he's, it's the most chaotic fight I had. Again, traumatizing uh, in a way. But if I remember this correctly, the music changes once you kill him. It becomes more somber. Because basically he was like this weird tether, I believe, to the world. I'm probably not looking up all the lore videos I need to look up. But... I think it's important that this is literally a change in the game. And they really uh, hammer home this idea, like, since you've killed him, that has changed the world. And I think that is amazing. And again, this is a little bit more abstract. So the next two sections I'm going to talk about are going to be a little bit more concrete about the lore of death and the mechanic of death, tying this together and how it is important, uh, how it makes death kind of important. And not in, again... A difficult way that I think is derivative to what From is trying to do. Uh, Miyazaki said in a recent interview that death is a feature, not a punishment. It is like when you die, um, I die a lot in From Software games, you do learn something about the boss. Oh, he's got an extra sweep attack. I shouldn't have charged in. I should have hung back. Uh, I think the biggest thing these games teach me is patience. Because you learn, okay, I'm not just going to go in there, burn up all my stamina, and then dive away. I really, this guy's going to hit me in the back or hit me from, you know, he, I'm going to have my, uh, 
you know, I'm going to be hitting him in the back so he doesn't focus on me as much. Maybe he's got a sweeping attack where he'll not, he'll hit you from, you know, he'll basically back slap you to get you off his back. I need to learn, hey, I can get two hits in, then I got to dive out of the way. Be patient, you know, take a potion, something like that. I think that's one of the biggest thing I've learned from software games. But even though these ideas are abstract, they carry into Dark Souls, which again was considered a spiritual successor to Demon Souls. Um, there was some licensing problems, and so uh, Dark Souls was like a multi-platform release, and we'll talk about that next. But uh, really quickly, let me just give the logistics of Dark Souls. Um, it came out uh, in 2011, and it was released uh, on in um, September 22nd in Japan, October um, and Europe uh, of 2011. And it came out on PC in April of 2012. It took a while. Uh, 1025 is the date I can find. Um, but let's talk about Dark Souls next. In the age of ancients, the world was unformed, shrouded by fog. A land of gray crags, arch trees, and everlasting dragons. But then there was fire. And with fire came disparity. Heat and cold. Life and death. And of course, light and dark. Then from the dark they came and found the souls of lords within the flame. Nito, the first of the dead. The witch of Isolith and her daughters of chaos. Gwyn, the lord of sunlight and his faithful knights. And the furtive pygmy, so easily forgotten. With the strength of lords, they challenged the dragons. Gwyn's mighty lords peeled apart their stone skins. The witches weaved great firestorms. Nito unleashed a miasma of death and disease.
but soon the flames will fade and only dark will remain. Even now, there are only embers. And man sees not light, but only endless lights. And amongst the living are seen carriers of the accursed dark side. There you go. That's the intro to Dark Souls uh, that came out in 2011. Please go to uh, the Sexy Beast 419. Uh, the Sexy, uh, the T and Sexy, uh, the T and the, and the S and Sexy are capitalized. Go there. They do the same thing that HD Gaming Guys is. There's some intros there and some really cool videos. Thank you so much. Go there. They had a very clean source of audio that I was able to get that from. But that's how Dark Souls starts out. And if you noticed at the end of there, the idea that the fire, the haves and the have-nots, the people that had fire and didn't have fire, the disparity is ending. Everything will be crushed into darkness. And um, you have the, I know later on, although I haven't completed Dark Souls, I played it back in the day. Uh, a friend of mine famously said, I don't want to play a game that I have to look up a guide all the time. But um you have the ability to kill or allow Gwent, the guy you heard in that, uh, survive. Um, thus, keeping the fire going to keep the age going or allowing everything to die. Again, there's probably a lot of subtlety to that. I haven't looked at lore videos in a long time. I didn't want that to color how I was going to do this podcast. But I'll say this basic idea is a more refined version of what we heard in Demon Souls. You know, this fog... Uh, in the land that's kind of like, you know, uh, perpetrating everywhere. And then on top of it, the idea that, um, you know, these demons are feeding off these souls. In Dark Souls, it is literally light is ending and we need to decide if we're okay with that or we need to keep it going. Now, I understand being a human and I wanted to keep the light going, but there is a natural order to life. There's life and death and you can't just keep things going forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think it's this futility that is getting more and more refined in these other games. Um, and I love it. It shares a lot of the mechanics of Demon Souls. Many of the menus are obtuse and strange and weird. The stats don't make sense. The um, Sometimes the weapons that you get, you have to read item descriptions. Sometimes you don't know if you can equip a weapon. But this is something where they kind of wanted to keep it, you know, kind of on the, the down low and keep it, um, you know, uh, more discovery for people to have to like really dig into the lore. But they put the pieces in place. So this is something else that will carry over in other From Software uh, games. People will say, well, it's too obscure. I don't understand what's going on. I don't want to read item descriptions. But I think From Software is unique that they are able to back up those beliefs and those little kernels of lore in the world. You will talk to people that will mention events or something that happens. And this is something that continues with From Software games today. I really think their design team and story team, I mean, everybody says Miyazaki. I don't want to disparage him. But, you know, no man is an island, especially if you're developing a game. 
I'm not saying he doesn't contribute. I think he does. There's no way these games would, wouldn't be what they are if it wasn't for him. But I think there's an amazing sense of design to not only the enemies in the world. And a lot of people have talked about enemy placement, how important it is to put maybe a foot soldier in one place and a skeleton in another place or an archer over here. Everything is very bespoke. This has to go here because this has to happen for this other thing to happen. And I think this is another thing that carries over into From Software things. And death. Again, it is important that you learn from when you die in these games and that your progress carries over if you get souls or you kill a boss or something like that. All these are very, very, very important. And the idea fascinates me that somebody wants to stop the natural order, stop the process. No, we cannot succumb to death. We have to keep it going. We have to keep the fire burning. I don't want it to burn out. I don't want to die. We have to keep this going. And I think, you know, I've read some articles in other places too that people, even at From Software, said we don't really know the full scope of what this is about. But I'm going to bring up somebody else in the next part, uh, not the last section, the next part, the next episode, uh, about how they kind of break stuff down. I'm going to bring some other people in because I think later on, although I love Dark Souls, uh, the, it's kind of a medieval design, you know, uh, these cities are medieval, just like Demon's Souls, there's kind of like this medieval through line. I think with their other games like Bloodborne and Sekiro, they really change up how they distinguish themselves, not only through the mechanics of death, but the lore of death and how important it is later on. So without further ado, let's talk about Dark Souls 2. <laughs> Perhaps you've seen it, maybe in a dream, a murky, forgotten land. Everything once branded the symbol of the curse, an augur of darkness. Your past, your future, your very light. will have meaning and you won't even care. By then, you'll be something other than human. A thing that feeds on souls, a hollow. Long ago, in a walled off land far to the north, a great king built a great kingdom. I believe they called it Drang Lake. Perhaps you're familiar. No, how could you be? But one day, you will stand before its decrepit gate 
without really knowing why. There you go. That's the intro to Dark Souls 2. Please go to iPhantom 3D on YouTube. That's where I got that good, clean audio. Uh, they have a lot of different uh, videos like that, like Final Boss, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, go there and um, support them. Subscribe. So yeah, I have spent the least amount of time with Dark Souls 2. It seems like from what I'm hearing in the community, it was probably the least beloved one. But I'll say this, it seems, and again, I've seen some more videos, but I didn't want that to color my essay, audio essay, I guess you'll call this. The idea that instead of stopping a kingdom from going out of, uh, you know, from ending, it's all about you. You are cursed and have to carry this dark sign, this, um, this, this um, sigil with you, this burning, and it will burn everything in its path. But you are basically sacrificing yourself if you didn't... I mean, obviously, sometimes it doesn't work for audio. But at the end, when there was a chorus, basically, if you watch the intro, you are this traveler in robes. You don't know if you're a man or a woman. But you go to this big lake with a tree in the middle of it, and a whirlpool appears when you step foot near it. And um, you see souls around the the whirlpool, and you basically jump in. You sacrifice yourself. And that's where the game starts. You wake up in this underground stone pagoda in a way and you meet these women in red dress that talk to you about what your future is and i think what i think is pretty amazing about the soul video or at least dark souls 2 is that this is a massive departure where the little bit that i played maybe an hour two hours you are literally just walking around like this 
empty, decrepit, decrepit place called Dracolic. Um, I forget the Miramar, I think, is the first place you get to. But it is devoid of people. Uh, you meet, well, there's some town people there, but they're usually from software games start with a punch and you immediately go into either getting killed or killing things so you can learn the mechanic of the souls and all that and really just to teach you death it's kind of a joke in from software games that the first big enemy you go to fight just kills you um there is ways to kill it before it kills you you know you can be scrappy and jump around and stuff like that that's pretty cool but this specifically just allows you to explore this kind of dead land the design is really good where you look up and see that there's like this big ocean around you and it seems like this castle is like crumbled into the water so it's almost like some kind of reef and there's just this sense of like there's not really a lot around everything's ending you know and everybody has this like feudal kind of feeling about it but again i think the community is kind of said and again i'll try to dip into lore and i am going to play these in fact it's kind of a weird time to announce this but i did i am going to start streaming on sundays so I will probably start with some from software games. Um, I don't own Elden Ring on PS5. That's the easiest way for me to stream is through the PS5. So I'll probably be playing through the older Souls games and maybe some of the newer ones like Bloodborne and Sekiro because although I'll talk about them later, I have various stages of completions with each from software game. So um, Demon Souls, I've beaten the old one again on the PS3. Got the good gold ending, I guess, the good ending, whatever. Um, um, I played the new one for a few hours, the remake that Bluepoint did. Uh, Dark Souls, I played for maybe five or six hours. Beat a few bosses. Um, played it back in the day, like rented it. Did realize it was very difficult. But again, this is more about the mechanic and the lore of death and how they are tied together. And I think it is amazing that From is able to kind of refine these ideas and carry them into other games. So, um, yeah, I think that is it for this week, guys. But... The next part of this, I will be going over Bloodborne, because it was released next, Dark Souls 3, Sekiro. Uh, that's its new, newest one. I know Sekiro won some awards. I'll go over that. But uh, the following one, part three, Elden Ring just came out a little bit ago, and I'm going to do a review discussion with my friends and family who have been playing the game. It's amazing how many people have been playing Elden Ring that have pushed back and not played other From Software games, but are kind of finally enjoying this game, and I want to talk about it with them. I've been taking notes as I've been playing Elden Ring, and we are going to talk about the pros and cons and probably have a big discussion, so it'll be a big thing. So I hope this was clear and uh, maybe shares a little bit of why I love From Software games. It's not the fact that you die all the time or whatever. It's the fact that death is there to teach you literally a lesson and the fact that that is reinforced in the world, the characters, and the story. So uh, that being said, uh, that's it for this week, guys. But I want to remind you that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Please go there. Let me know what you think of the show. Uh, you can also write to me at gwgpotfellows at gmail.com. Do the same there. Give me some suggestions, some, you know, sh- share the love. If you have a game you want me to cover, go there, write me there. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, the Google Play Store, or I'm on Spotify. So go there, give me the likes, the stars, the reviews, things like that. That helps me out. And you can interact with me on Twitter at Just Little Joe. So find me at those places. And with that, uh, have a good week, and I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. So there's an addendum to this episode. I have just read the Miyazaki article. I mentioned that 
death is uh, not a. It's how do they? How do you put this? How does the title go? Hidaki Miyazaki sees death as a feature, not a bug. Um, it's in the New Yorker. It was written by Simon Parkin. It was released on February twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. There's only a few things I want to read from this that I think is interesting. Um, you know, the beginning of the article just talks about from software games and how difficult they are, which totally makes sense. I think this is articles like written for a wider audience, so it makes sense that they would be incredibly general. They talk a little bit about Miyazaki's childhood. Um, uh, but I, I like this part. The question of how hard games should be is closely tied to the question of whom games are for. Some argue that they should be accessible, gently guiding experiences that adapt to different skills, interests, and physical capabilities. Others say that they should operate on their own terms. In this model, difficulty is a creator's prerogative. Not every game has to be for everyone. I like that. Um, there's another conversation that we had about accessibility options, but I don't really want to get into that. That's a whole other podcast. Um, Miyazaki's work is often invoked by the latter camp as it suggests that challenge, not escapism or uplifting, is the medium's crucial quality. Quote, it's an interesting question, Miyazaki told me. We are always looking to improve, but in our game specifically, hardship is what gives meaning to the experience. So no, so it's not something we are willing to abandon at the moment. It's our identity. End quote. Um... And yet Elden Ring Miyazaki's new game offers something of a compromise, a way for people to feel like victory is an attainable feat, he said, unquote. All of his hallmark remains, you know, the dreaded foes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to hang on. I, I have some things highlighted here. Um, mm -hmm. You know what? I can't find what I'm looking for. Let's see here. Oh, I think I skipped it. Oh, right here. Um, this is how he talks about playing the games. When I'm playing these games, I think this is the way I'd want to die in a way that is amusing or interesting or that cr creates a story I can share. He said, death and rebirth, trying and overcoming. We want the cycle to be enjoyable. In life, death is a horrible thing. In play, it can be something else. So the, he, he even brings up this is the cycle of the game, life and death, and the idea that the death can be a story, not I killed this cool boss, which those are stories in themselves and from software games, but the idea that you can say, yes, this is what I did. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I died in this way or fell off or whatever. In fact, uh, my wife's been playing Elden Ring, which we'll get to a few episodes from now, but she has been laughing at her deaths or going, oh, that was great. So anyway, this is an addendum. I just wanted to get those quick pull quotes from the article. Um... And I, again, I will talk to you guys uh, next week. Bye.